Hey everybody, welcome back this week as we walk through the Word together. And as we walk out this truth, we discover that life is produced in us and also in other people. We are walking with one another, growing together to see the life of Christ continue to manifest and birth in us and then to see it spread outside of the walls of our houses and our church building. So I was thinking about sharing this message tonight as we get close to Christmas. I just know that this is a time where there's a lot on our minds. There's a lot going on in the world. You're going to deal with a lot of family this year. You've got the pressures of presents and buying stuff and spending all your money. And then your dishwasher breaks and we just got to spend more money for no reason on a dishwasher. Anybody else? Like the thing that doesn't matter, but it matters so much. You know what I mean? The unexpected things in our life. But I just thought about all the stuff as I was thinking about just the news. Anybody just watch the news and you just feel, you get a sense of something? I did this for fun because I was like, I'm just noticing like all my news feeds on, on all my social media. Anybody like, I just read through them and I'm like, I'm just heavied. Anybody? So I just Googled. I'm like, I Googled uh, top news stories of the past 30 days. And this is what just came up on. This is NPR. I just want to just read a couple. And I just want to just soak in what is pressing toward us, let's say. From December 3rd to November 3rd, or November 30th to December 3rd. Flood evictions loom in Los Angeles as pandemic tenants' protection expires. Next one. After record election year, some LGBTQ lawmakers face a new challenge, GOP majorities. U.S. men's success in the World Cups brings a windfall to the women's team. A man who burned a cross to intimidate his black neighbors pleads guilty to hate crimes. A man has been charged with murdering the Migos rapper Takeoff. Uvalde survivors file a $27 billion class action lawsuit against police and others. Uvalde Elementary School shooting. Celebs and dignitaries meet at the White House for Biden State Dinner. What we know about the deadliest U.S. bird flu outbreak in U.S. history. The Portland Thorns will be sold. The latest fallout from scandal in women's soccer. They ran a voters suppression scheme. Now they're sentenced to register voters. Three tribes dealing with the toll of climate change get $75 million to relocate. School principal says culture wars made last year rough as hell. How to address anti-Semitic rhetoric when you encounter it. Alabama coal miners begin their 20th month on strike. DoorDash cuts 1,250 jobs after the pandemic hiring surge. Sam Bankman strikes apologetic pose as he describes being shocked by FTX's fall. Any crypto uh, guys in here? Lost all your money? Just a couple of us. Just kidding. Sorry, that's not even a joke. I'm really sorry about that. NYC, I'm, I'm legitimately sorry. I should not make light of that. It's, that's hard. NYC Mayor Adams faces backlash for move to involuntary hospitalize, to involuntarily hospitalize homeless people. Club Q owner in Colorado says he will reopen the LGBTQ club after mass shooting. 
Can newly elected LGBTQ lawmakers shift the landscape for LGBTQ rights? That's NPR. That's the full list of NPR in the past three days. NPR. That's all. I, I wrote down every single option for us to read on their front page. Not one single hope-filled word. And I feel like our culture is absorbing everything that's being pressed into their faces with no hope at all. What do we do about the four, well, how many I read? Like 16 different crises that we're facing and they're all different. And on top of things that we've heard like Balenciaga and child molesters and the secret undercover cult that like rules the world, you know? The ones who are like taking their clothes off and having weird orgies and all this stuff in the woods. You know what I mean? Like, come on. This is the talk of the day. And so I wanted to bring a message today because if we look into culture and we say, man, it's just getting so bad. Man, gosh, I just wish, I wish Jesus would come back. I actually don't think you're totally off. Some people would be like, man, you should just be totally hopeful. I'm like, but the scripture in Romans actually says that creation groans and yet also the people of God have a groaning within themselves as we groan to say, come Lord Jesus, come. The realities of this place and the sufferings I face at times, like, man, I would love for you to come back. But until you show up, like I'm groaning so that they see you the way you groan that I saw you. It's our calling. But if we think that things have just progressed down a place that has never been, I think we are a little bit mistaken. And I just want to open up the scripture and I want to share to you today what Paul shared with the earliest church in Rome. And if you know anything about Roman culture, and maybe you're kind of like being pulled into the talk of the day, but I feel like a lot of those deities that were really celebrated back in the day are maybe coming back around for our culture in America to have a very similar experience. And I want to know what was Paul's word to the earliest church? And I want to share that with you guys a little bit today. But here's my statement today. We were made to be an overwhelmed people. You were made to be an overwhelmed people. And I want to explain what that means. And as I open up the word, right where you are, would you ask the Lord to speak to you in the way that he can speak to you? Beyond my words, beyond anything I could share, just would you ask him to speak to you right now? Tell him what you need. Tell him what weighs on your heart. He already knows. You don't have to hide. Father, we just ask that you would speak to us now. This is your church. And I pray you would take my words and you would move them in the direction you want them to go. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen got just a couple minutes and I don't want to move past this because I think in a day where it's challenging and all these things are pressed into us, sometimes I think it's very important we as the people of God to be sharing about the things that God is doing in our life. And if you're sitting here and you're like, it's burning inside of me, I have to tell them what God is doing. And you don't have to feel pressure to do this. Don't feel shamed into it. But if you got something on your heart today, you're like, I've got to tell them what God is doing. Is anybody here be like, I'm burning. I got to tell somebody. Anybody? Come on, man. Come on. 
First time today, huh? First time. Welcome, man. First time. Let's go. <laughs> so um, over the past, I'd say, kind of six to nine months, uh, my dad uh, got diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. Um, and through that, that's been obviously a very tough journey for my family. Um, and we've constantly been praying and praying and praying. And um, about three, four months ago, he had gone through his first rounds of chemo. And um, then they found out that he had a liver met, which means that metastasized. So he got diagnosed with stage four pancreatic cancer. Um, and basically, the doctors told him, you know, get your fares in order, you're, uh, you're done. Um, and he just kept praying and praying. And my dad is someone in his church back in St. Louis who gives a lot back. And a lot of people prayed for him. And he ended up finding another doctor who said, you know, there's still some hope left. We're going to try this robotic procedure in, at Hopkins. And um, they ended up removing everything and did his second rounds of chemo, who he just finished this past Thursday. And um, I really think that God worked his magic um, through my dad and, and to continue to give back and show all the people that he's connected with um, some of the real miracles in life and works of God. And so today, going from stage four pancreatic cancer metastasize, he's now completely clear Come of on. everything. So it's, it's pretty amazing. And I just wanted to share that story because why I'm here today is I was downtown Knox and um, it was kind of weighing on me and a group of people from this church came and just reached out to me um, a couple months ago and said, you know, I feel like we need to pray for you. And so um, wanted to share that story. Come on, man. Yeah. Come on. Thanks for sharing that, man. Appreciate you. Come on. Guys, up to so much more than we ever know. I have no idea. Phew, that messes me, man. Man, it's rare sometimes you get to see like what you don't know you step into and you, you, you're just obedient to God and you, you don't get to see what happens all the time, you know? And then you get like to see that, man, like your word bless me like more than you even understand, man. I just want to tell you thank you, man. Thanks for sharing that. Man, come on, guys. If you walk the street Tuesday, I pray you're encouraged. That was a blessing. All right, if you've got your Bible, I want to like read a couple verses to us. We'll see what the Lord has because I would have loved for you to share. I talked to you in welcome and I was like, man, I'd love for this guy to share because that's so powerful. And then you just came up here, man. That's so cool. Romans 8. I want to read eight verses to us. Verse 31 to 39. Read this to us. What then shall we say to all these things? If God is for us, who could ever be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. 
Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. And more than that, who was raised. That means he's not dead, he's alive. Who's at the right hand of God? Who indeed is interceding for us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress, persecution or famine, nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We're regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, in the midst of all that we just talked about, in the face of all of it, the call for tribulation, the call for distress, the call for persecution, the call for famines, in the midst of all of those things, that's what he says, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. The NLT literally says, overwhelming victory is yours in Christ Jesus. For I am sure, I love that Paul's so sure about this. I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor heights, nor depths, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God, very key part, in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing. I'm sure of it. Now, a little bit of the background on this passage, then I'm going to come back into it, okay? The first chapters, one through eight, is really a theology lesson so if you read the book of Romans, you're going to understand the theology of Jesus. You're going to understand just the, the, the base theology of what Paul is actually preaching. And then verse 22 of, of chapter 8 really talks about what I shared before, is the reality that like the earth is groaning, and all the stories that I read is their expression of the groan. I don't know what to do about what I feel about the day, but I got to tell somebody. The pain I feel, we connect to the thing that we really are connected with, and you can see them writing in their stories, and I got to express my groanings. The earth is expressing the groan. What the scripture helps us understand is we are called into the groanings of the world, but they're groaning for the hope that we have in Christ Jesus. So when we meet them with the presence of Jesus, that groaning is, is met with the gracious, loving kindness of God and meets them and brings healing and wholeness. And then when you step into Jesus, there is a whole different kind of groaning that we then step into. I don't step into the brokenness of my past life. I'm not living that life. I don't groan because of my own life I'm living. I groan because as I step into people's lives where Christ calls me into, I experience the death in my life for them to experience life. So there's a death that happens in me and I'm groaning inside. I'm like, God, it hurts. To love people, like it hurts me. I'm like dying as I go in the process and enter somebody else's life. And I, I hear Jesus, he goes, I get it. I get it. But here's the assurance that Romans helps us understand. If you actually step into a different kind of groaning where you share the groanings of Christ, you can be assured in your soul that you have united your heart with his. You have come into Christ. If your life, if you groan, the Jesus groan for this world, your life has been united with him. You can be assured of it because no way in heck are you gonna step in there naturally and do that unless your heart is transformed to express the love of God. 
But the important part before these, before these verses in verse 26, he points to us about these groanings, but the next part in his encouragement in the groaning, here's what Paul says. In the midst of groaning, I think it's verse 26, he talks about the reality of prayer. What do we do about the groanings of our heart? The only way to continue down the journey with Christ is intimacy with him. It's talking with him. It's prayer. Do you want to grow in the assurance Do you want to grow in your faith? The word that he encourages us into is prayer. As before we were leaving, JP, for his birthday, he got a chainsaw, toy chainsaw. Dude was pumped about this chainsaw. He wants to bring it everywhere. And Jake gave him a little rope for a tree, right? He's tied it around his waist all day, all night, wants to sleep with it. It's it's his life. So thank you, man. Like he's a true tree cutter. And, uh, Thanks to you, Jay, and, uh, and Kristen for bringing it, and Maggie. But uh, he, he comes to us, he goes, Mom, I came to you. Can I bring my chainsaw to church? And Shannon, being the wonderful mom, she says, no. <laughs> so she, then she hears Emery go, Jay, JP, that's why you just don't ask. Says second board, you know? They know what's up. I literally, like when I heard that, when Shannon was told me that story, I'm like, I hear this example in my mind because a lot of times I feel like that's prayer. Like we have an idea of what we want God to do and it doesn't happen the way we expect and we don't care to really understand what he's asked us to pray for because we got a good idea of what we want, you know? And so we ask God to do these things. He doesn't show up in the way we want. So we learn this mentality in, in an immature stage of life where we go, see, that's why we just don't even need to do it. Why would you do it? He didn't respond. He didn't show up. But as you mature with him, you understand that he's actually a really good parent that will respond. And he's actually wanting to do far more. I heard another story. It's an it's a excerpt of a book called Divine Commodity. And he tells the story of going down the streets of India and an Indian child coming up to him and saying, sir, sir, one rupee, one rupee, please, 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 begging him. And the man like couldn't believe that one rupee was going to be enough. And so he said, how about five rupees? And the little boy got mad because he thought that this man was shaming him, making fun of him. So his countenance changed. He turned and began to walk away because he says, surely that's impossible. I just wanted one and you want to give me five? I'm done with you. But the thing that transformed this little boy was the reality when the father stepped in, he wanted to give him more than he had asked for. Why would you ever ask me for one? I've got way more than one. I got way more than five. Why are we settling for what God invited us not to settle for? But a lot of times we don't believe what he's actually placed before us is good enough. And sometimes, to be honest, like walking the street doesn't feel good enough for me. And then I hear a story like that, man, and it's like, man, God, like you're up to more than I could think. Like you're better than I thought you were. I know y'all feeling the same thing. You're like, who knew, man? Prayer, man. God wants to do far more 
than we could ever think or imagine. That's why this part of the passage says God didn't spare his own son. What makes you think he would withhold anything else to you? Guys, if, if Jesus, the darling of heaven, who was there in the beginning of the creation of time, if he wasn't spared for you, but he was given as a gift to make you right with God, what more would God want to withhold from you? I doubt him so much. Because all of the information that I draw from to make that line in my mind is a lot of these things that I are shoved into my face. God didn't spare his own perfect son. What else would he spare for you? I'm learning this as I walk on the streets on Tuesday. I've learned some very important lessons that I didn't know I, be, I didn't believe. Verse 28 says he works all things together for good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. That is a conditional statement. God works everything together. If you love him and you are called into his purposes, if you are operating in those two spaces, you can be assured if something looks like it's bad, it's not. It's being transformed into something good. Now, people take it out of context and we say, God's working it together for good, but I can do whatever the heck I want and I'm living the life I want. God's gonna turn it towards something good. I believe he's gonna redeem all things. But decisions are made. So let's not take it out of context. Let's just come into what the word says. I wanna love him. I don't want to do his purposes. Here's what I learned walking the streets. If you have committed your way to him, and I know God's will is that he reaches people on the street, here's what I've learned. Guys, you understand this. People who walk on Tuesdays. Somebody will stop you on the road and you feel like it's like, a, it's like something that's wasting your time, right? You're like, what am I doing here? Only to find that if you didn't stop that moment or get that distraction, you wouldn't have run right into the person as they turn the corner at the right moment when you hit the corner. You know what I mean? I've learned that walk in the street. I see it every single week, pretty much. You don't know why something is happening, but you're never in the wrong spot because God is working everything for good who those who love him are called according to his purpose. If you want to experience the, the like God-sized life, commit your ways to him. Stop inviting him into your ways. If you really want to experience the God-sized life, stop inviting God into your ways. Step into his. He has given you purpose. He's called you into his life. He's not going to step into your life. If you try to save your life, you will lose your life. If you lose your life for his sake, you will find it. It sounds like hell, but it's the greatest joy. That's all I can say. This is Paul's encouragement. All things work together for good. For those who love him are called according to purpose. Now listen, if you say, I have really walked the wrong way, 
You can come back right now and step right back in. And then all of a sudden, everything that you thought was screwed up, he begins to almost like go back and begin to turn all the things toward good. Everything that you think you screwed up too far, you did not. He wants to step in right now, but you must turn from your ways to his ways. And if you do, he will show up right now. Everything will start. That promise kicked in. It is yours. Have it. It's your promise to receive. Now, that's the context above these verses. Now I want to go through because I believe there's some stuff in these words that I never seen before. I didn't know before. And I want to share it with you because I think it's pertinent for today. Verse 31 through 39. There's a couple words and I, want to, I really want to focus in on verse 37 where he says, no, in all of these things, we are more than conquerors. We are overwhelming conquerors. What's he talking about? He's actually saying you are more than a conqueror in all these things. What are the things that he talked about? Famine, nakedness, sword, peril, the pain of life that was coming against the earliest church. He says in the face of all those things, you are hyper victorious. Really cool word that Paul actually uses for more than conquerors means like you, you're actually like overwhelming victory. The word actually comes from the word Nike. Anybody know that? The word Nike is actually the name of a goddess of Roman culture, the goddess of victory. And I wish I put a picture up here because the Nike swoop actually comes from her wings, which are like checks. And the, the, the uh, uh, athletes of that day would actually worship this goddess to gain the victory. And so for those of us who think there's a pedophile cult that rules the world and they're hyper-powerful and they will dominate everybody and you have no hope, I just want to tell you, they were there in the beginning, you know what I'm saying? And Paul's like, hey, above and beyond the goddess of victory is for you that in Christ Jesus you are hyper-victorious over the goddess of victory. You're beyond all those things. Then he goes into overwhelming victory is yours for I am sure. And then he begins to run the pendulum. I am convinced that he says, for I'm sure that neither death nor life and everything in between. He runs the pendulum swing. Is anybody afraid of death? Is anyone afraid of life? I'm sure that nothing in all those things could ever separate you from the love of God. Neither angel, angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, and here's the other words I want to focus on, nor height, nor depth. The word he uses for height is this word heptimos. I think I said that right. I'm no Greek scholar. Hoopsoma, sorry, hoopsoma. And when I studied these words, the word he uses for height is hoopsoma. The word he uses for below is bathos, baphos. In a couple commentaries, it says that it's the goddess of the heights and it's the god of the depths. And in another commentary, it actually talks about that this church would have really understood, Roman culture would have really understood 
that according to your astrological sign or like your prediction, there is a height and a depth, there is a fate and an and a exalting potential for your life. And I don't know about you, but I believe that this is the pervasive message of the day. And I walk the aisles of Target and the witchcraft books are growing. I notice these things because I'm a studier of this stuff. And I walk in Barnes and Noble and there's a small section of Bibles and you go next door, next door to it and there's a book on self-help and spirituality, which is giant. And you can cast spells and you can learn all of this, this, uh, this information for the day. I believe it is growing and it's growing rapidly. And some of you may be participant in this. And if you are, the, t- the day has not changed the earliest Roman church was in it. They would have understood. And he says, I'm convinced that no power of the heights, no power of the depths could separate you from the love of God. You think they have power? I want to tell you who's ultimate authority. Victory over victorious is the King Jesus who conquered death. Come on now. You know what I'm saying? And if, if you have stepped into the world of believing what your Enneagram speaks of you, and not what your Savior has said of you, you are settling for, for second best. If you've settled for what your workplace has called you, and not what our Savior has named you, you settle for second best, even if it makes sense to you. That explains why. Anybody come on now? That explains why I'm so flighty, you know what I mean? I'm just an Enneagram 7, y'all. Don't have to care about no details. Come on. I'm just here to entertain everybody. Is that a three? I don't know. Just making this stuff up. Just wing it. Entertainer, right? Teach me, you know? It's funny. Sounds so true. But I'm just telling you, it's not word. It's not what Jesus said about us. And the reason I believe we are so weak in our spirit is because we've settled for what a culture will speak to you and not the word of God, man. The word of God will free you up and empower you to live the life that Jesus lived. He says, all authority was given to me. Therefore, I'm gonna tell you to go. Settle for what no one else tells you. The king gave us the truth and shined light on this world. And if you really want life with purpose, Walk and follow him. Watch what he will do. He'll show up. I'm going to ask our band to, to come because here's the, here's the crux of the whole message. I'm just convinced. After reading this and of receiving it for myself, that no degree of exaltation, no degree of fallenness can separate you from the love of God. No Joe Biden, no Elon Musk, no Twitter, no pedophiles, no witches, no gurus, no Donald Trump, no Fauci, no Hollywood, no Joe Rogan. Come on now. No, none of them. They can't separate you. No AI technology. We are not a fearful people. You are faith-filled people. Wake up. Don't go to sleep. He's called you to 2022. And the scripture says he's given you everything you need to live the godly life that he's called you to. All of it has been gifted to you. Receive it, believe it, and walk in it. This is, guys, this is what 
We are helping one another step in and grow to walk in. This is what we're helping. He gave us the word, believe it and step into it. But if you adopt the rules of the culture, if you listen to the news and let it dictate your feelings and you do not receive the truth that you, the love of God, nothing can separate you. You are steady and secure. You will find yourself fearful about the future. And listen to me. You will find yourself angry about the past. Both of those things will be present in a life that is unsteady and unstable. You don't have to be in this day. But if you are, there is hope, okay? There is hope. The key to this passage, ignore them. They are distracting. Just kidding. The key to this passage, listen, is the last verse. Focusing on this. It's not height nor depth nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God. Listen, in Christ Jesus. If you think that you've got to do something to earn the love of God that has been offered as a gift through his son, you'll miss it. Jesus is the center of the universe. He has invited us into that truth. If you will receive that truth, you can be freed up to experience the fullness of, of him and life with him. The love of God in Christ Jesus. What does that mean? I was reading a story and this guy was walking around and he was talking to people about Jesus, I guess. And he said that he ran into a young man and the young man told him that life is like a heavenly bank account. And maybe some of you feel this way. Life is like a heavenly bank account. As long as I make more deposits than withdrawals, I'm in good shape. Anybody evaluate your, your spiritual life like that way? Man, I ha- I've really been, I've really just not been what I needed to be. I gotta fill the bank account back up so that me and him can be cool, you know? If you live that life, you'll, you'll find yourself kind of going in ups and downs, never really empowered or fueled. But he said, I shared the biblical reality with him, what the Bible actually teaches. He said the very first time that you made a withdrawal, the bank account actually was emptied and it was closed forever. There was no ability you had to actually put into the account to make it right. Once you, once you drew from it, it's closed. There's nothing left for you to draw from. What do you do with an empty bank account? Can't supply for your needs. Can't help anybody. There is no hope at that point, right? Maybe you've felt that before in your life. There's nothing in the bank account. You feel helpless, hopeless. I 
And he said, man, that's kind of harsh. You're telling me that once I drew from the account that like it was emptied and there was no hope for me? He said, I shared with him this truth and I explained to him that I didn't make the rules that God did. And I shared this truth with him not to depress him, but to make him aware and to actually appreciate God's mercy. Because our bank accounts, listen guys, every single one of us in this room drew from the account. There was nothing left. It was emptied. Maybe you feel like you're the only one with the empty bank account. Listen, like we've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We all screwed it up. We all emptied that account. And if you're a believer, your account has been closed. But if you're a believer and you've come to Christ, a brand new one opened up in Christ's name. He said, forget your old account. I want to give you one. The scripture says that when you come into Christ, you get to enter in with perfect relationship with Father God. And Father God's got the account of the world and the universe, you know? And he says, hey, I'm gonna give you a brand new account, but my name's on it and you're in my name, so it's your account. Forget your old account, man. The account is loaded, never to end. You're wealthy, but you can't make another deposit nor withdraw. It's all yours. It's all. All that he did for you is yours. He created a brand new account. Yours is done. And your life, when you realize, if you've come into this place and you realize that your account is empty, you need a brand new account. And the way to get the brand new account is to receive this truth, that the love of God was gifted and shown to you. You couldn't do anything to make yourself right, so he came to make it right. He stepped into our world and died on a cross, paid the price for sin, and that was costly. And all the weight, the wrath of God was put down upon himself, his son, so that you and I never had to feel the wrath of God. And the way that we receive that is simply to call out to his name, Jesus. Jesus, I receive the new account from you because mine's empty. I need a new account. I need a new life. I need purpose because I don't understand. Lead me. Come into this life. Fill this life. Give me your life. It's the name. He said that he was a door. He said he was the way. He said he was life. And if you will come to him, he will give you a brand new life. He will give you a brand new account and he will call you into a brand new way of life, his life. And in that life, nothing, nothing. And he's convinced that nothing will separate you from the love of God. So here's what I wanna do as we close today. Do you need this reminder today? Some of us need a reminder. Nothing in all of creation can separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. When you came into Christ, God loved you and the account is full. What has convinced you that your account is not full? What weighs heavy on your shoulders and your mind today? What is it? Bring it up into your mind. What is it 
that has convinced you today that maybe God doesn't love you. Maybe he's left you. The accounts are empty. And my view of life is not filled with hope. What is it? Would you tell him about it? And then, I'm so happy that Paul is convinced about this truth. Would you ask the Lord to help you be sure about this truth? That the thing that weighs heavy on your heart is encompassed between the pendulums of life and death, height and lowness, principality and power, the cosmos of this world. And yet I'm so sure that even the thing that feels so heavy can be overwhelmed and outweighed today by the gracious and kindness gift that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord, who died for you and loved you and brought you into his presence. Father, I pray that you would overwhelm us today and help us to step into being sure that your love outweighs everything. It overwhelms and has great victory. Father, I pray that for our church. I pray that for each life in this room. And Lord, I know that you wanna outweigh, you wanna overwhelm, and you invite us to give you the thing that overwhelms us. And I pray that you would overwhelm us in this room today by the power of your Holy Spirit. Thank you, God. John 16, 33, Jesus said, I've said these things to you that in me, listen, in me, you're gonna have peace. Listen, in this world, you're gonna have tribulation. But you can take heart. That means you can be lifted because I've overcome the world. He's hyper-victorious and he offers us victory. And whether you know it or not, feel it or not today, you've got victory. You've got victory in Jesus. And he loves you so much. He's called you to himself. And he's given you purpose. You don't have to settle for what feels like purpose. He's defined what purpose is. And he's offered it to each one of us. He's made peace for you. And you can have it. Step into it by faith. This is what overcomes the world. Father, give us the ability to receive from you now. I pray it in Jesus' name.